Welcome to Fashion Futurist Podcast. It's your host, Camila Sanders, and this season we are discussing Africa. We're connecting with industry experts and individuals on the front lines to gain viable resources for your fashion journey. Together, we're working to take back fashion, shift power, shift economics, shift paradigms, and create a new sustainable ethical fashion system. Take a listen and let's accelerate fashion forward. So Jacqueline, thank you for coming on the podcast for the initial season that's focused on Africa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So if we could start, I would love for you to do a brief introduction to who is Jacqueline Shaw? Who is Jacqueline Shaw? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just for the record, some people know me as as Jacqueline Brown as well. Um, but Shaw has been the name that the majority of people do know me by, but um, just in case people do ask, um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so I'm I'm a creative, a fashion designer by profession, that's the reason I took, who has evolved into an eco-entrepreneur, some have called me, with a big desire and a heart for Africa and its textile industry and bringing change and trade to, to the continent through the vehicle of fashion. So I'm I'm a pioneer, I'm a visionary, I'm proudly a woman of faith, um, a Christian believer. And um I just I just feel that I have a purpose in this life and, and it seems for some reason to do with Africa. Um I've always said like why, why, why Africa? But that seems to be the path that I'm on and I work in fashion, I brought the two together and there you go. I have um, <laughs> evolved wow. a, a mission and a business through that. Wow. Yeah, I do want to get a little bit into like why Africa, you know, but before we do that, let's talk about something that you um, mentioned briefly, which was your purpose. Like, how did you get into fashion and what is your journey from the beginning to what you're doing now? Well, I went down the traditional fashion career route. I did um, a bachelor's in fashion in 2001. Then I got into a career, just kind of, you know, took whatever job I could and I ended up in sportswear. Um, and I've been doing that, well, doing that for nearly 20 years. Wow. Um, different companies. I had a chance to live and work abroad, um, working for brands or retailers as a sportswear and swimwear designer. And it was a great experience. I mean, there's some bad points, some good points, some highs and lows, as in, as in any career. And, you know, fashion, you can expect it being at the creative field as well. So that's the route that I took. But then it was about 10 years after my first degree that I decided to do a master's um, in ethical fashion because it came up and I thought, this is for me. I didn't, at the time, I didn't realise that I was an ethical fashion designer or somebody who had, you know, these cares and thoughts. Um, but I knew that the degree sounded right for me. So um, the company I was working for um, sponsored me to do it, to do the masters because it was in line with where they were going as a business. And um, I would work four days and then study one day a week and um, over two years. And at that time I turned 30 and I remember my grandfather um, died and always heard about you know, him being a Maroon um, in the Jamaican, one of the Jamaican um, tribal groups who I know have come over from Africa. Um, and they were a group of people, the Maroons, who fought off the British, fought off the Spanish, 
Um, and they were warriors. And if they heard of Queen Nanny of the Maroons, her brother and Kodjo and Kofi, then you, you would know about the story about these, these warrior um, um, Africans in the, you know, brought to the Caribbean and who refused to be slaves. Um, so, and they lived in the mountains and, and regions in Jamaica. And that just, you know, thinking about that story and, you know, the linkage to the continent, I just want to, I mean, I've always been interested in African textiles because I love textiles and, you know, being a Jamaican girl, meeting um, Nigerians and Ghanaians and going to weddings and events and seeing all these beautiful, beautiful fabrics and textures and colours and, you know, I just fell in love with these as well. So I decided at 30 to go to, to Africa, I had the opportunity to go to Ghana um, and with some, some friends who introduced me there and I fell in love. I went back within six months. I went again after that, another six months later. Wow. And I um, decided that I was going to focus my degree on Africa's textile industry and um, the supply chain there. And after the, at the end of my degree, it evolved into a business um, called Africa Fashion Guide. And that has now become a um, consultancy, um, a, a business coaching um agency consultancy um and sourcing agency and you know we do we do organize trips to the continent we do conferences we do public speaking and teach at schools and as a visiting lecturer and universities and write books on the topic of african fashion and um yeah coach and consult for businesses and uh, organizations so it's, it's really involved just when we do this degree which was the catalyst of my career, getting a bit bored, feeling like there was a ceiling that I was reaching, I couldn't go anywhere, I wanted to do something more, and then the death of my grandfather. So it's been a bit of a journey. Um, wow. Since I did that, it's been now, um, well, over 10 years, 12 years now, I believe, since I started my journey with Africa, Africa, with Africa Fashion Guide. And, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting one. Pioneer a lot there. Wow, that sounds so amazing. So you you did research on the supply chain in Africa and textiles, and that's in your the degree that you got in ethical fashion and sustainability, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So what did you discover in your research? Yeah, at the time I really looked at everything. So I was looking at the cotton industry there. I went right down to the raw materials and I was noticing that majority ninety five percent of the cotton was exported which highlighted a major issue in Africa's textile in its value chain. Um, so, you know, that a lot of, you know, it wasn't retaining a lot of its wealth because a lot of it in the textile industry was being exported. Um, so there was that issue. I recognised that there was a problem with getting the resources and trims and fabrics and materials because, again, it was exported. So that was affecting what they could do as how they could build their own manufacturing industry on the continent because they didn't have enough of the resources um i was noticing that there was a growing interest from africa's own designers to to celebrate themselves and they were starting to do a lot of things with a trad um, or traditional textiles traditional clothing and bringing those to the catwalks i was noticing that there was a lot of more catwalk shows in africa itself and those discussions were starting and that there were key countries that were being looked upon for production and that I was noticing that retailers were starting to also recognise Africa and wanted to tap into that. Now all of these have evolved like 
from that 100% now. So all these things have become a bigger issue and bigger interest and it's been taken a bit more seriously. And when it comes to the fashion industry, Africa has been seen as, as a viable player where it was in the beginning, but now it is. So, yeah, I've noticed quite a lot of things happening there. One of the other major things was the second-hand clothing industry, which unfortunately this hasn't changed too much. It's still a major problem. But, you know, what, what I thought was going to be a bad thing for the, for the local young people, um, I found out by travelling to the continent multiple countries now and and doing um research there and focus groups qualitative research mostly interviews and focus groups and a bit of um, ethnographic work as well but i was recognizing that they you know the young people actually like the second clothing they had you know from east to west africa they had you know markets uh, especially like when i was in kenya that you know, the clothing market was the like the go-to place to find you know they could find cool pieces and, and there was a lot of bloggers at the time there who were talking about it and it was just I just I really had my eyes open and it's really changed a lot in what I thought the young people would think. Yeah, there, there was a lot that I researched and a lot that I came out with and I'm well, I went back and I did another masters in social research because I do like to research. But then I'm gonna hopefully go and do my PhD where I can take this even further and explore new aspects of this of the textile industry now. So let's talk a little bit about that, because I feel like that is definitely something that comes up within the sustainable ethical fashion space about the secondhand clothing market. You know, you had a firsthand look at what is happening there, and I'm sure you're very well aware of some of the things that most people, you know, say outside of, you know, not really seeing what's happening. What are your thoughts as far as like how do we really address this issue that is very complex, right? And has a lot of people, different uh, players involved and stakeholders involved. What are your thoughts just because you had a firsthand view of that? You know, I always go back to the point that, you know, Africa's not a dumping ground and it is it, causing a major problem. A lot of the climate change issues that Africa may be experiencing has been I mean, don't quote me on this because I can't give you the exact figures or the exact quotes, but from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, that it has been impacted from, from you know, those in the global West. That's not a good look, you know, knowing that I'm doing something and it's impacting you just because I want to keep consuming and buying and purchasing just so I can feel nice and it's mm. not a need for me. You know, so... Uh, that aspect of it I don't like. I don't like the aspect that it's, it's a big money business for many of those countries or people in those countries in the global West. I don't like the fact that a lot of young people are being pried upon to purchase more by the fact that there's fast fashion, which encourages that. And I just think that, you know, it, it's something that is extremely complex because you've got the consumers, you can educate, but then you've got, Prices are going back up now, so everybody's going to be all those discounts we got on our housing, our, our, our you know, our, you know, here in the UK, for example, and the deals that we were given by the government to support us. People want their money back, they want their bills are going back up, food is going right. back up, everything's going back up, which means that you may not go and purchase, you're not going to purchase expensive things, you're going to try and get things as cheaply as you can. And so that's just going to encourage it. I remember during the pandemic, there was a 
a bit of a furore over the fact that was it I think it was Pretty Little Thing or Boohoo, probably something she's with both of them, but I think it was Pretty right. Little Thing there was a um, discussion how they had clothing for as little as eight pence on their website for people to buy and you could go in and just get like so much stuff for like a, a tiny amount of money and it was just ridiculous and this was happening during Black Friday during the year of the pandemic of 2020 all of this is not helping it's, it's, it's kind of like um, we need to kind of go back and review how things have been done and just just stop this <laughs> because it's, it's impacting those who are not even contributing contributing to it but then in some ways some of these countries are because that's where they have those clothing made in the right. you know, in you know, India, in um, in Asia, and now they're looking at doing the same in in, in Africa. So wow. yeah. it's it's a major issue. It's a major issue. Right, and you know, it, I think it takes every every area, right? Because it takes the everyday citizen to understand that when they purchase something for so, so cheap, where is it going? You know, um, especially if, you know, a lot of times we don't even wear the clothes that we purchase. Right. Or some people don't. It kind of takes everyone everywhere to address that issue. Yeah. You did mention that, you know, now Africa is being seen as a viable player in fashion. Can you go into that a bit more? Like, why is Africa even different? Uh, countries in Africa, why is it so important to the fashion industry? I think it's, it's more about the fashion industry. I think it's, um, I mean, fashion and music go well together. So if something is happening in music, you're going to see it happening in, in fashion um, as well. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, about economics. The world is looking at, the world leaders, I should say, are looking at places where they can do more business. Africa could, as a continent, could could feed the world with all its resources, its you know agricultural resources. And then you've got like the UK has you know Brexited from Europe, which means they're looking at new relationships to have because as countries you can't be left out on your own. You need new allies. So they've been doing a lot with Africa at the moment in different ways. So you know you've got that. Um, so and then there's 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 tech. You know, there's um, a lot of tech um, um, experts, I guess, um, or new experts or unicorns, or how they call them, who are coming you know, out of Africa as well. And so the big tech giants are looking at the African continent as a place to get new talent. Um, so there's a lot of things happening there from, you know, resources has always been a thing for the, for the world to be looking at. Because Africa. But now it's the resources of the people, which is a big thing. Um, so if it's through their talents, if it's through the music, if it's through the clothing, you know, it's being looked upon and tapped upon now. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I want to see Africa rise back to its rightful place and its throne where, where, where it was and where it should be, um, or where she should be. But, you know, other people have a different different idea. So it, it, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but that's kind of how I see it. Tell me more about some of the issues that you see in the fashion industry value chain, because I know that you are very adept at sourcing, right? Mm. Um, and really manufacturers and textiles and, you know, all across the value chain, really. What are some of the issues that you see 
and kind of a two-part question like what are I know you do a lot to address you know some of these things in in the value chain so if you could go into that I think um, globally is just having access to for lack of a better word eco fabric sustainable fabric circular fabrics ethical fabric we'll just put it under the term eco for the sake of this <laughs> some people hate that term but um not enough of that type of fabric so that we can have an industry producing and that's all about supply and demand because obviously you know if more people select it then we can get more into the retail stores and people can come to consume more i think there's a lot of greenwashing going on um, their brands feel that they they must sound like they're doing things right and so they have things in their csr um, policies but it can be a little bit greenwashy um i think that's a major issue happening access to those raw materials and then also like with africa one of the major issues is is the trims and they will use their raw materials like the cottons their leather their raffia their wool things like this but then there's a lot of new fabrics technical fabrics cellulosic fabrics that have been um created and things like this um like for example mushroom leathers and things you know like that but in these processes those processing units are not on the continent, which means that they're not getting access to the textiles. But then you do find innovators. There was one in Kenya, they were using, um, I forgot the name of the company, but they were using metals to make a fiber and then the fabric. And, you know, they just, these young Kenyans, they did that and they, they won a prize by H&M. Wow. Which again is a bit debatable. People might say, yeah, <laughs> H&M is a fast fashion retailer, they're doing this sustainable fashion competition and then these young Kenyans won his prize for using this metal fabric this metal fabric. But you know, there's there's lots of things going on throughout the whole supply chain from the raw materials, um, even from cotton. Cotton is still a very thirsty crop, even though it's one of the best crops to use. Some may say these new technical textiles are better because, you know, they can put into it technically ways for it to be preserved for longer and so forth so there's a lot going on, on, on in both ways yeah yeah that's something very interesting to talk about which could we could probably do a whole nother show on that right is mm-hmm. all these different technologies for textiles and the good and the bad of it right because you yeah. have to think about how it's processed and I heard someone say that vegan leather, people don't realize that it's actually plastic, you know? Yeah. So so there's there's all types of things that you can really get into when, when we're talking about that. But I do find it very interesting when we're talking about mushroom leather or pineapple leather, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. all these all these innovative things, which is like, wow, that's that's great. But even in um, Portugal they banned apparently they banned the term vegan leather. Oh wow, okay. You know, it's very interesting because what does it really mean? Vegan leather. It's like yeah. you know, um, McDonald's does the no meat meat or whatever, or, or Pizza Hut, one of them. It's like yeah, but what is it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. You know I mean? What is it? How are you getting this? And yeah, yeah, exactly. So you really have to be careful. As a designer, right, and even as an everyday citizen, to really do a little bit more research in what you're what you're using. Exactly. I I wanted to get a little bit more into Africa Fashion Guide. 
yeah. the your sourcing agency, um, which I know you've been doing for a while. Tell us more about that. Like kind of why did you start that? And what exactly do you do, you know, for resources for people that may be interested in, you know, doing sourcing with you? I mean, I got obsessed with it. I was blogging about the topic of African, African fashion. I was finding out, and I was focused on the, more on the manufacturing than the than the, the show. So the work behind the scenes, rather than work in front of the camera. So I was I was more focused on the back end of things, and I was starting to you know gather connections and listings and of of manufacturers, and then I decided to you know people I, people I tried to help people with that. I wanted to support people in getting manufacturing Africa. And most of all, I wanted to bring more trade to Africa. So if that, I could be like that middleman, so sourcing agent. So African Fashion Guide started off differently to how um, we're taking it now. So it was a blog. It was you know about the conferences, about the trips, about the speaking engagements, and you know sharing the story. Now it's more it's more of an agency um, for sourcing and for consultancy and coaching um helping people to to actually build a african fashion business um, or supply chain and manufacturing so the agency is now helping people to do that we're launching our sourcing platform called the fate or the fashion africa trade expo it was a physical event and now it's um, um online so think of alibaba african style um, so connecting buyers to makers. So that's um, um, coming up now. I'm really excited about that. It's been a long time with lots of tech challenges and all sorts in the meantime. This is the year for it to come out and people will be able to then get on that and to find, you know, register and find their, you know, hopefully their, their supply, supplier partner for their business. I'm based in the U.S., so does that mean that if I wanted to start a business but I wanted to source from Africa, whether that's just getting fabric or maybe it's getting fully made clothing, then I could utilize that platform? Absolutely. So you would go onto the platform, you'd be able to, you could just shop some products that you want, like if you want to just get a few pieces just to try out of some of the textiles that you have online or the baskets or things like that or you can mainly go to the sourcing section and then the sourcing section is where you can find fabric makers it could be print you know fabric printing um as in batik or adiwear or it could be woven textiles from around the continent um, or you could find people who make baskets people who make hats people who uh, make homeware products or you're looking for people to manufacture your clothing, or you can through through our company you can get wholesale products as well. So you can, um, they're like white label. You can just get them um, a bundle that we have available, and then you can put your own label on there and sell it into your um, into your company or into wow. your country. Yeah. Yeah. So I I always hear that you know a lot of times for um locally people that are making textiles or making clothes it's always an issue to have the access to to get their product out to the world basically right Mm. and so you are through this you know kind of helping to solve that issue why is it so important for like the local makers and manufacturers to have something like this 
but they're seeking more for them they're seeking more more um market entry into different different places different countries and more business for themselves so for the suppliers it's, it doesn't cost them anything um it's um something that you want to do to start building with them to have this as a first point of call you know after this will be developing more support for them with their um help them with their quality help them with understanding what the market is needing from them so you know trend advice forecasting um getting them in the rooms with with more buyers so they can know how to work with buyers and designers things like this um you know and i've had experience of doing some of this you know back in the day of taking part in in events by you know the agoa the agoa um trade trade policy holders and you know, just being able to sit and work with suppliers, and I see some of the problems that they have. They're not perfect. They you know, they still have challenges. People, and that's part of the thing is, the more access they get, the more they're able to develop themselves and do better business. So they won't have this context that Africa can't do ABC. They just need more people to work with to to build um, expertise. Yeah, and so it's kind of helping them build a more, you know, viable business exactly. in a way. I did want to ask you kind of about entrepreneurship, right? Because I think sometimes people come in and they say, I'm going to start this business and I want people to work for me to develop these textiles. Or there's another approach where where you say, oh, I want to, I want people to have the tools, which I think is more what, what you're doing is let me provide resources and tools so that you can have your own viable company. And when I think about that, I think about entrepreneurship. So the question is, you know, do you see uh, people wanting to have their own businesses and wanting to be entrepreneurs uh, within the continent to, to build wealth? There's three different types of people that I work with. There's the supplier makers, um, artisans, etc. Those one type of people, and they're looking. You know, they just want more business. They want more customers, more business that they can sell their product to, and they can make product for. Then there are the small businesses who are in the in you know around the world, from Australia to Canada to to Trinidad, and they are the ones who I support to help build or start a fashion business that is made in Africa or that's African inspired. So mm-hmm. that's what I do as a coach. And then there are the, the fashion brands and retailers who are looking to source in Africa. Um, maybe they want to get a, you know, you know, a percentage of yardage of textiles made or they want to do a specialised project and they don't know the continent. And so it's to help them to get more understanding and somebody who's been there, um, which is my, me and my company, and we can help support them in connecting with Africa in the textile industry. So, you know, they all have different different desires and needs, um, in, in ways of and you know, my company is that middle man or that that agent or that coach to help them to get from A to B. So you did mention about sharing the story of, you know, and bringing more trade to Africa. And I know that you have a book called Fashion, Fashion Africa. Yeah. Right? And so just could you tell me, I know that that book has been out for a while, but honestly, when I, I've heard people talk about textiles from Africa and the meanings behind it and, 
you know, all of the cultural culture. And then I learn of you and it's like, oh, you have a book <laughs> that that is that is exactly that. So it's definitely, you know, relevant. Could you talk a little bit more about why you created that book? Yeah, I you know what? When at the time I wrote the book, I wrote the the book the first version I did, I self published it. And that was back when I did my degree. I just felt that, you know, there wasn't any books out there that showcased the African uh, fashion industry. And I thought, why not make it? I'm just one of those people who, if I see something and I think, oh, I could do that, and I just do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I created the book and then I got spotted by a publisher. And that's when the book got published and it got all around the world. And I got a lot of features and stuff like that from it, on top of what I'd already done um, myself. So, you know, the book was really to change the narratives and show a different side of Africa's textile industry and to show, just to create a beautiful product, really. What I wanted to do, just show a beautiful product, you showcase Africa's fashion designers and, and what they what they were doing. And it, was, it became quite popular. I mean, I sold the book myself and I got spotted and, you know, the book office has been around the world. So... I'll be launching a few new books. Um, it's been 10 years since Fashion Africa, the first one. So it's the anniversary. I have a, um, a new edition of that coming out. And then um, I've got a couple of others from my publisher. I've got to deal with them to launch a couple of other books with him. The same title, but slightly different. I don't want to give too much away about it. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and they will be out in the next couple of years. But, you know, it's, it's good because these, this book I did, I thought I wanted to make it really beautiful. I I commissioned some illustrators to come on board, so it gave them some promotion. And they had interviews, they had ethical fashion side in reading it. And since then, I've seen more books come out now, even a book on Africa's, you know, illustrator, Africa's fashion illustrators. And just loads of new books have come out around the topic of Africa's fashion industry. And I just think it's nice to know that I'm one of the first pioneers to do it. Right. And it's inspired others to come out and do it as well, because now we're changing up what. The libraries look like and what the college university libraries look like and what's out there in the bookshops on african textiles and fashion so yeah it, it was to change the game to disrupt the industry and to showcase what's actually out there so yeah yeah i love that like changing the narrative or really like you know telling that the story like the actual story of what what is happening, what's going on and, and disrupting what is currently out there. So kudos to you for uh, starting that 10 years ago. And we definitely look forward to other books that you have coming out. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Is there anything else that you would love to talk about when it comes to the fashion industry and accelerating fashion forward to 2030 climate goals? I would just say, um, just think responsibility as whatever you're doing. Just think, how is you know what is this for, and what's the result you're trying to get with it? What's the impact you're trying to have? And know that you can't do everything. So you know, I made even though I did the ethical fashion, I went through you know the textiles, the people, the labour issues, the policies, the manufacturing, the fashion show. I looked at everything in the supply chain. But I've evolved things first of all to first of all to share their stories it, it can you know um, educate people 
And then secondly, well, way to golf now is focusing on the people and you know providing them with, with the opportunity to to grow and to do that in a way that's sustainable to create sustainable business. So you know, I that's the route I've chosen. Where some may be focused more on the textile, um, and and doing that, you know, um, I don't know that may be their focus. But you can't do everything as one person. But you, what you can do is create an impact in whatever area that you go into. So I would just say, as we're building this industry, a fashion industry, focus on something that you can be really passionate about, and where you can make a difference, and we'll try to bring some change there. Wow, that's great. Yeah, because when you get into like sustainable ethical fashion, it is huge, right? If you're talking about the fashion industry value chain, it is huge. And so you're like, where do I start? Like you said, you know, pick something that you're passionate about and focus there. Where can people find you? Are there any, you know, resources that that you can recommend to people or just how can people get in touch with you? I would say um, if you want to learn more about me myself, then go to jacquelineshaw.co.uk. If you want to, um, we're, re- we're redoing the African Fashion Guide website at the moment. So if you want to find out what we're up to, just go to us on Instagram, African Fashion Guide. It'll be your best bet to connect to send DMs and messages. And if you're looking for business coaching, then you can go to fashionafricabusinessacademy.com to learn about our courses and the one-to-one business coaching that I do. And like I said, the new sourcing platform, Fashion Africa Trade Expo. So yeah, let's um, see see you on there. Come and register and come and connect with amazing makers in Africa. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jacqueline. I'm really looking forward to all the information, everything that's coming out of Africa now. So thank you. Thank you so much, Camilla. And um, yeah, all the best. Thanks for listening to Fashion Futurist Podcast. Let's take back fashion together. Like, subscribe, and share as these small actions help to spread the word and make a collaborative impact. For more ways to get involved, join me, Camila Sanders, in the Fashion Futurist community by visiting fashionfuturist.io. Let's take action and accelerate fashion forward.